The CBS Mystery Theater produced 1,399 episodes. Over 300 actors participated in the series. In 1974, longtime radio producer Hyman Brown convinced CBS to give the green light to a new anthology series based on the radio drama. It was the CBS Radio Mystery Theater. You see, radio drama had been declared dead 12 years before that. TV was now the king. CBS Mystery Radio Theater was meant to appeal to an audience that remembered when old-time radio drama was as popular form of family entertainment there was. Riding on the wave of nostalgia fever, the radio show attracted many younger listeners who would stay up late, hidden under the covers, to hear the program on their bedroom radio. And many of them were not able to go to sleep after listening to the frightening programs. CBS Radio Mystery Theater was able to attract a wide variety of talent. Many of the voices that were popular during the golden age of radio made appearances on the radio theater. And younger talent, often from the CBS daytime television and New York area stage plays, appeared in the radio broadcast as well. E.G. Marshall and Tammy Grimes were the hosts of the CBS Mystery Theater. Marshall, most remembered for his television roles of lawyer Lawrence Preston on The Defenders in the 1960s and as neurosurgeon David Craig on The Bold Ones, The New Doctors of the 1970s. And Tammy Grimes was a film and stage actress. She won two Tony Awards, first as her role of Molly Tobin in the musical The Unsinkable Molly Brown, and the second as starring in a 1970 revival of Private Lives of Amanda Prine. One last interesting thing is that Tammy Grimes was offered the lead role in the TV series Bewitched, which was eventually given to Elizabeth Montgomery. Grimes turned down the offer to star in her own show, The Tammy Grimes Show. She took over the hosting role of the CBS Mystery Theater from E.G. Marshall in 1982, the last year of its run. Marshall had hosted the show from 1974 until 1982. Okay, what you're going to hear is the premiere episode of the CBS Mystery Theater, and it starred Agnes Moorhead as a 77-year-old woman whose boarder, while dying of pneumonia, confesses to her that he killed a man rather than another one who was found guilty and imprisoned. She doesn't want to hear what he's saying and doesn't call the police because she just does not want to get involved. The problem was, she sort of became her own detective, and she got herself wound up with all sorts of wicked characters. Agnes Moorhead was well known as a radio actress. She portrayed the woman in the suspense episodes Sorry, Wrong Number. Her career spanned five decades, and her credits included work in radio, stage, film, and television. She won awards including the Primetime Emmy Award, two Golden Globe Awards, and was nominated for four Academy Awards. She passed away on April 30, 1974, just 11 months after playing the role of the radio drama on the CBS Mystery Theater. In the backstory, she was in a film in 1955 entitled The Conqueror. It was shot on some atomic bomb test sites in St. George, Utah. She died of uterine cancer. Many of the children of the actors that were in that film believed that 91 people in the crew, that totaled 220 people, developed some form of cancer in the later years, and 46 had died of the disease. Now, in a group that size, one would expect 30-some cancers to develop. 
with 91 cancer victims that tie in to their exposures on the set of The Conqueror most likely would have held up in a court of law, according to many physicians. From 1964 to 1971, Agnes Moorhead portrayed the witch Pandora on ABC's Bewitched and received five Emmy nominations for that role. She once said that she had done so many parts in her life that she did not particularly want to be identified and remembered as playing the witch. My name is John Lovering. This is Heirloom Radio, a different kind of oldies program. The program you're going to hear is Old Ones Are Hard to Kill. Thank you for listening. And now, here's Act One of The Old Ones Are Hard to Kill. It begins with a stethoscope, a blood pressure reading, an electrocardiogram, and an altogether satisfying report on the health of Mrs. Ada Canby. Hmm. Well, can't see a thing to complain about, Ada. That little congestion you had last time is all cleared up. All in all, I'd say you're doing fine. For a woman my age, you mean. (laughs) (laughs) The older the chicken, the tougher it is to kill. (laughs) That's what my grandmother used to tell me, and she lived to be 98. Mm -hmm. Speaking of relatives, you uh, see much of Walter. My grandson? Oh, the usual once-a-year visit, and he always comes up with the same complaint. What's that? That I shouldn't be living all alone. Oh, that big house of yours must get pretty lonely sometimes. Well, the truth is, Dr. George, I'm not alone there. You're not? I decided to take in the border last month. Really? I haven't written Walter about it. I'm sure he'd object to my taking in a stranger, but there's really nothing wrong with Mr. Paulson, except his health, maybe. His health? What's wrong with him? Oh, the poor man's had a terrible cold for the past two weeks. Well, let me do a thing for him, though. Well, now, where did you meet this, Mr. Paulson? He answered the ad I ran. He's just back from South America. Been living in Brazil for years. He's a very nice gentleman, really. He keeps himself and tends his birds. He has the loveliest blue parakeets. You can hear them chirping all over the house. <laughs> it's the friendliest sound. Well, I, uh, I don't see anything wrong with what you're doing, Ada. Just make sure you don't go and catch the man's cold. There's not much chance of that. Poor man hardly ever leaves his room. Well, how much do I owe you? I'll send you the bill. I'm sure you'll forget all about it. (laughs) (laughs) Promise me you'll send it. (laughs) Oh, dear. Are you all right? Yes, Mrs. Cansby. I'm all right. That cough sounds worse than ever to me. Why don't you let me fix your little hot milk and honey? No, thank you, Mrs. Cansby. Thanks very much. I'm going to try to get some sleep. Well, all right, if you say so. I guess it's time I was in bed myself. Oh, my, listen to that poor man. I wonder if 
Canby keeps his birds away, too. Mrs. Canby, please, please. For heaven's sake, is he, is he calling me? Mrs. Canby. He is calling me. I'm, I'm coming, Mr. Paulson. Oh, no. Where are those darn slippers? I'll be right there. What, what is it, Mr. Paulson? What's the matter? This can be. Mr. Paulson, just look at you. Why didn't you tell me you were so sick? I would have called a doctor. No, no, too late now. Too late. I, I know a very good doctor. I saw him only this afternoon. I'll go and call him right no, now. No, please, listen to me. Well, I've got to get help for you, Mr. Paulson. I'm dying. I'm dying. Confession. Well, do you want to preach? Is, is that what you want? Richardson murdered ten years ago. What? Murder. I did it. I killed him for money. I was paid. Did you hear me? Oh, Lord. Uh, Mr. Paulson, do you know what you're saying? Do you understand me? Lindell is innocent. I killed Richardson, not Lindell. Well, let me get help. You can tell them yourself, Mr. Paulson, and the police and the doctor. You tell them, please. Tell them to free Lindell. He's innocent. Tell them I'm the one who killed Richardson ten years ago. Well, I don't know anything about such things, and I know what I did it. I killed Richardson. I, I did no, it. No, I don't. I don't want to hear it. I don't, please don't tell them. Please. <laughs> Mr. Paulson, I... I... Mr. Paulson... I hope you don't mind my turning to you for advice. But I really don't know what to do. It's been three days since my boarder, Mr. Paulson, passed away, and I still haven't told the police what the man said to me. I just can't bring myself to get mixed up in anything like this. Uh, dear, what's the use of writing, Walter? You'll probably think I've dreamed it all up. No, I'll just forget it. How do you forget such a thing? Those names. I keep hearing them. Richardson. Lindell. Lindell is innocent. Oh, dear God. What if it's all true? If Mr. Paulson actually murdered this Richardson and Lindell is innocent, only... Well, who are they? I wonder if the telephone book... Well, well why not? Let's see. Lindell and Richardson Investments, Nine Concourse, four one five three one three two. I wonder if. Well, maybe, maybe it's the only way to be sure. Hello. 
May I speak to uh, Mr. Lindell? He isn't? Well, then what about Mr. Richardson? Oh, I see. Well, is there someone there I can speak to? Yes, yes, please. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. This is Mr. Kelton. May I be of service? Well, maybe you can. I, I want to know about your Mr. Richardson, uh, about when he died. I think I did business with him once, uh, a long time ago. Well, it's ten years, madam, just about. But uh, if you're interested in investment advice... Well, I'll think about it. Thank you very much. Ten years. Well, it could be a coincidence. I guess it all depends on how he died. Please come in. Have a seat. Thank you. Well, now, how can we be of help to you? Well, I didn't come here to get help, Mr. Shelton. I came to help you, as a matter of fact. Or rather, somebody you know. Who would that be? Uh, Mr. John Lindell, the man who was supposed to have murdered Mr. Richardson. I'm afraid I'm not following you. Well, it took me all week to find out what happened to those two men. And finally, I found the story in the old newspaper room down at the library about Mr. Lindell being indicted for killing his partner. But I'm, I'm sure you know the whole story a lot better than I do. Well, of course I know the story, but <laughs> that was quite a long time ago, Mrs. Canby. Ten years doesn't seem so long when you're my age. Anyway, the point is that I can help your Mr. Lindell, only I can't do it alone. Did you know John Lindell? No, no, I didn't. Nor Mr. Richardson, for that matter. The man I knew was named Paulson. Who? I rented a room to Mr. Paulson, and he died about eight days ago of pneumonia. I was there when it happened. Well, that's unfortunate, but... Uh... Before he died, Mr. Paulson told me something about Mr. Richardson's murder. He said Mr. Lindell hadn't been responsible, that he, Mr. Paulson, had committed it for money. Oh, Mrs. Canby, listen to me. It was this man, Lindell, that bothered him. The fact that he was in prison for something he didn't do. I thought I should tell you this, Mr. Shelton, because you knew both of these gentlemen. It said so in the newspaper. Mrs. Canby, my, my dear woman. What? I don't know what silly story you heard, but it's completely wrong. There wasn't any question about what happened. This border of yours, whatever his name is, merely had an obsession. Well, just the same. I thought you could follow through on this business. Yeah. Tell the police. Because if it is true, Mr. Lindell should be freed. On evidence like that? Well, I don't know anything about evidence. I'm just telling you what I heard. <sighs> well, never mind. I suppose I should have told the police myself. Wait, wait, Mrs. Candy. Uh, let me put your mind at rest. John Lindell is no longer in prison. He isn't? He's dead, Mrs. Candy. He's been dead for the last three years. Oh. He wasn't a young man when all this happened, when he accused his partner, Fred Richardson, of defrauding him and shot him dead. He died in prison? Even if all you say is true, that this man was Richardson's murderer, 
You can't help John Lindell any longer. He's beyond that. But his name, don't you want to clear his name? Have you any proof? Any living witness? Just myself. Forget it, Mrs. Canby. That's my advice to you. The old wound is healed. Don't reopen it. Oh, well, it troubles me so. I haven't thought of anything else since it happened. Perhaps if I saw a minister, if I had some advice from a man of God. Mrs. Canby, now you've said something. Now you've shown me the way. That's where our answer lies, dear woman, in prayer. Mm-hmm. In the forgiveness of our dear Lord. Will you pray with me, Mrs. Canby? Pray? Here? Why not? God is everywhere. Please, join me. <sighs> dear Lord, tell us what to do. Give us your divine guidance. Show us the path to righteousness. Mr. Stelton, Help us, O oh Lord. Help us to understand. Teach us to forgive the sins of others and to forget them. To forget. I feel much better now, Mrs. Candy. Do you? I'm not sure. Let us turn this matter over to God, Mrs. Candy. Not to the police, but to the Lord. It's in his hands now. Don't you agree? Well, in a way, that's true. Since they're dead now, all of them. Yes? Uh, Mrs. Candy? Yes? My name's Stuart Winfield, Mrs. Candy. I understand you have a room for rent? Yes, 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 I do. Well, I'm new in town. I just arrived from Philadelphia. I've been staying at a hotel, but I'd like something homier. Well, the room I have is $35 a week. I can't offer you any meals, but you can use the kitchen all you want. Well, that sounds good to me. Would uh, Would you like to see the room? Yes, ma'am, I sure would. Well, uh, come on in, then. Thank you. By the way, how did you know I had a room for rent? Hmm? I was going to place an ad this weekend. Oh, I... Uh... I, I guess someone at the hotel mentioned it. Uh, I forget just who. Say, this is a real fine old house, Mrs. Candy. Mm-hmm. I can see that I'm going to like this place. Just fine. And so Mrs. Candy has a new boarder. He's a very personable young man. With a great deal more charm than old Mr. Paulson had. Perhaps in a little while, Mrs. Canby will be able to forget her former boarder and the shocking confession he made on his deathbed. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. I was... Stu Winfield took no time at all to make himself at home in Ada Canby's big old house. He loved everything about his room. The fine old four-poster bed. The crazy quilt that Ada herself had sewn up 40 years ago. The lace curtains on the window. He even loved Mr. Paulson's blue parakeets. But what he really seemed to like best was Mrs. Canby herself. Just take me two minutes to get these clean sheets on the bed. Here, let me give you a hand. No, 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 I can manage. I've been making this bed for almost 50 years. 50? 
You've lived in this house that long? Moved in here when I got married back in 1919. My husband David bought it for us. Our only son, Ralph, was born in it. And you've lost them both? Yes, they're both dead, but I haven't lost them. Oh, yes, yes, I understand, Mrs. Canby. I guess I feel that way about my mom. Your mother's dead? Yes, she died when I was two. Listen, Mr. Winfield, are you sure you want these birds in your room? Hmm? I could take them to the parlor if you want. No, no, I think they're great. I I think everything's great about this house. Uh, But there is something you can do for me. What's that? Would you mind not calling me Mr. Winfield? Oh? Uh, That's what they call my father. My name's Stuart. Well, well, all right. Stuart. (laughs) Dear Walter, I think it's about time I told you that I have a boarder in the house. Mr. Winfield is the nicest young man you could want to meet. He's a great deal friendlier than my first gentleman, Mr. Paulson. And he seems to like nothing better than to sit around evenings and talk. We talk about his home and his parents and his plans for the future. I think the poor boy misses his home and family, and I'm sort of a substitute for all that. Mm. You know, it isn't really fair, Mrs. Candy. You said I had kitchen privileges, but that doesn't mean you have to cook for me. Well, it's a pleasure, Stuart. I haven't had anyone to cook for in years. You're kidding. You mean to say you cook this good without practice? Oh, you're just being nice. I'm sure that stew is just plain ordinary. It's terrific. No kidding. It, it tastes like, well, it it tastes like home, if you know what I mean. But it depends on whose home you mean. <laughs> Well, my mom cooks stews like this. That's what I meant. Your mom? Mm. What? But she died when you were only two. Oh, well, I, I guess I, I didn't mean my mom exactly. I, I was thinking of my Aunt Martha. Uh, I mean, she's the one who sort of took over the cooking and stuff after my mother died. And my father's sister, you know? I see. Well, that was lucky that you had someone to take her place. Yeah, that's right. It's... Excuse me. My Stuart, you're not coming down with anything, are you? (laughs) No, no, I'm fine. Just a little case of the sniffle. Listen, if your room isn't warm enough, I have an extra book. No, no, the room's just fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, you'll be sure now. I know I felt a little guilty about poor Mr. Paulson when he got sick. Uh, maybe I didn't take good enough care of him. Uh, Paulson? Mm-hmm. Was that your former boarder, the uh, the bird lover? Yes, yes, that was his name, the poor man. Well, tell me about him. Well, I don't really know that much about him. He lived here less than two months. Well, what sort of a guy was he? Well, very quiet. He kept to himself. Did you say he was from South America? I don't remember if I did or not. Well, you must have said it. Yeah, yes, of course. He was American, but he'd been living in Brazil. I don't know why exactly. Although, come to think of it, maybe I do. What do you mean? Well, it it just occurred to me that Brazil might be just a place for someone who came in through a lot of money and, and wanted to leave the country. I don't understand this. Oh, my. I really think you are getting a cold, Stuart. I'm getting that blanket out this minute. Now, wait, Mrs. Candy. I'd rather hear well, about... Never mind. I don't want to take any chances. I'll be right back. Yes, Mrs. Candy. Don't take any chances. 
Yes? Come in. I brought your tray, Stuart. Oh. No, you shouldn't have. <laughs> you shouldn't have gone to all that trouble, Mrs. Kennedy. Wasn't least bit of trouble. Besides, you've got to have some supper. Feed a cold and starve a fever. I mean, I, I was going to come out to the kitchen and, and get myself a sandwich or something. You didn't have to bring it to me. Oh, look at that. Is that roast chicken? Well, that's what it's supposed to be. <laughs> mm. I hope it tastes all right. A noodle soup with dumplings. Mrs. Candy, you're spoiling me rotten. Do you know that? Well, I just thought it'd be a good idea if you stayed in bed and took it easy. You weren't planning to go out tonight, were you? No, no, I was just going to stay in and read for a while. <coughs> Maybe watch television. Oh, that's good. Here, I'll just set this tray down. <laughs> oh, the service here is just too good. Oh, we we never uh, never finished our talk the other day about that border of yours, uh, Mr. Paulson. Well, there's not much to say about him, really. Well, you said something about his living in South America. <laughs> you said you thought you understood why he was living there. Sounded real interesting. Well, the truth is, Stuart, there is something to tell about Mr. Paulson. Maybe, maybe you can help me feel better about it all. About what? Now, I'm not going to tell you if you don't eat. <laughs> All right, Mrs. Canby, I'll, I'll eat. Well, it happened just about three weeks ago. You know something, Mrs. Candy, that's about the best roast chicken I've had in years. I'm sure I spoiled your appetite with all my chatter. No, no, that was a really interesting story. But what do you think of it all, Stuart? Mm -hmm. No, the killer is the man who hired Mr. Paulson. Don't you see? Is it right that he should get away with it? Now, wait a minute. <laughs> You're jumping to conclusions. No, I'm not. Mr. Paulson told me that he was hired to do this thing. Well, maybe he was hired by Lindell. Maybe Lindell hired him, and then Paulson got cold feet, and Lindell did the shooting himself. No, I'm sure that isn't true. You see, I read the newspaper article all about it. Well, you, you really were thorough about this, weren't you, Mrs. Candy? <laughs> you poor man. That cold's gone to your chest now, hasn't it? No, I'm all, I'm all right. Stop, stop worrying about me. Let's talk about this, this other problem of yours. Well, maybe I'm making it more of a problem than it should be. Maybe if I just told the police everything, I could forget it once and for all. No, I... Uh... I really couldn't advise that, Mrs. Candy. Well, it said in the newspaper story that the two men were partners in that investment firm. And Mr. Lindell thought that his partner, Richardson, was cheating, taking money out of the firm. And that's why he's supposed to have shot him. Wasn't there a witness to the shooting? Why, yes, I think there was. Come to think of it, it was Mr. Shelton. That's right, that's right. Well, doesn't that, doesn't that wrap it up for you? Well, it would if it wasn't for Mr. Paulson. Listen, Mrs. Candy, you know how much I like you. Well, in just a few days, you're more like family to me than my Aunt Martha ever was. Well, it's nice of you to say, Stuart. And that's why I want you to listen to me about this. That's why I want you to forget about this whole foolish thing. And <laughs> listen to you. You sound awful. 
awful story. <coughs> Just tell it. No, I'm all right. No, you're not all right. I'm going to get you some cough medicine right this minute. <coughs> Stick around for a few more days, Mr. Chelton. The old lady's beginning to get fidgety, if, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, something tells me that Stuart Winfield isn't such a nice young man after all. Could it be that he wasn't telling Mrs. Canby the truth about his dear mother and his Aunt Martha? Could he have not told her the truth about his plans for the future? Of course, the real issue is, what sort of plan does he have for Ada Canby's future? I'll be back shortly with Act Three. If you are blocked... Poor Mrs. Canby. She isn't sleeping well tonight. But of course, Mrs. Canby has good reasons for insomnia. Her thoughts are whirling. Her boarder steward was right. She doesn't want the bother of going to the police. And she firmly believes in the old adage, if you don't trouble trouble, trouble won't trouble you. But still... Oh, my... I'm just never going to get to sleep tonight. Poor George. He's still coughing. I'm sure that room is just too dry. I never should have let any boarders in until I got the windows fixed. Oh, dear. That poor boy. I'll never forget the terrible night Mr. Paulson was coughing so badly. Huh? And the way he looked. All gray and shrunken. If only I knew he was so sick. No. If only he'd never even come to this house. Mrs. Canby, I killed Richardson. I did it. Do I ever forget the sound of that man's voice? Wendell is innocent. Wendell is innocent. That poor man. All the years he spent in jail for something he didn't do. Let sleeping dogs lie, Mrs. Canby. My aunt Martha always said, let sleeping dogs lie. Oh, if only I could get some sleep. Let us turn this matter over to God, Mrs. Canby. Not to the police. Not to the police. Not to the police. What a strange man he is, Mr. Chelton. Where he talked about God praying at his desk. Of course, God is everywhere, but it's his desk. I killed Richardson. I murdered him for money. I was paid. I was paid. 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 Someone had to pay him. 
Mr. Paulson wasn't the only guilty one. Someone else was, too. Hawkins. 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 Oh, dear Lord. Mr. Shelton. Shelton. What did that newspaper article say? The chief witness against Mr. Lindell was Arnold Shelton. But how could he be a witness? There's something that never happened. How could he be? I'll have to tell someone. I'll have to talk to someone. Yes, I'll tell Stuart about it. In the morning. Stuart, are you awake? Yes, I'm up, Mrs. Candy. Come in. I'm getting breakfast in bed, too. I know you had a terrible night last night, Stuart. You were coughing much worse than ever. I guess that medicine wasn't very good. Sorry I kept you awake, Mrs. Candy. No, that wasn't your fault. Something else kept me up. What was that? Oh, my mind, I guess. Maybe I should say my conscience. Oh, that sounds serious. But it is something serious, Stuart. Well, I might have let a man get away with murder. No, it's even worse than that. He did something worse than murder. You're talking about Paulson again. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the man who hired Mr. Paulson. He didn't just have that man Richardson shot. He let an innocent person go to jail and die there. Now, that's like committing two murders, if you ask me. I have to tell you something that occurred to me last night. Sure, go ahead. Well, it's about Mr. Chelton. Mr. Arnold Chelton. Yeah? Go on. I'm listening. Stuart, I wonder if maybe the reason Mr. Chelton was so upset with me, the reason he didn't want me to go to the police, was because he was afraid. Explain what you mean. Well, what I mean is maybe Mr. Shelton had good reason besides the one he told me. He was working for both Mr. Richardson and Mr. Lundell at the time of the murder. Well, so what? Well, he was also the chief witness at the trial. A witness for the prosecution. But he saw the shooting, didn't he? But that's just the point. He saw Mr. Lundell shoot Mr. Richardson. Well, that's not what you told me last time. I mean, that he was an eyewitness. No, that's right. He didn't actually see the shooting. He was miles away when it happened. I don't quite remember the details. There was something about a phone call, maybe? Yes, yes, that's what it was. He claimed that Mr. Richardson was talking to him on the phone when Mr. Lindell showed up at his apartment. He said that Richardson cried out something about Lindell having a gun. And then he heard the shot. But how could that have happened if the gun was fired by Mr. Paulson? If, Mrs. Candy, that's the big little word, isn't it? If. <laughs> but don't you see what I'm saying, Stuart? Arnold Shelton had the most to gain. Gain? From what? From both these men leaving the firm. That'll leave the whole thing to him. All those customers, all the investments he handled, all the commissions, or 
whatever they call it. Are you accusing this guy Shelton of being the killer? Yes. It's it's the only answer, Stuart. Look, if that was the case, the police would have figured it out. But they didn't. There was nothing in the stories I read that pointed any suspicion at Mr. Shelton. I don't suppose it's even occurred to them. And now, the company is all his. You don't... You don't call that evidence, do you? Well, then why didn't he let me go to the police? Why didn't he try so hard to talk me out of it? That man was praying to it. He was taking the name of the Lord. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Stuart. I'm so sorry. I won't bother you anymore. I know what I have to do anyway. Candy. I won't wait. be gone long, Stuart. No, no, wait. But the minute I get back, I'm going to call Dr. George and ask him to come over. You're sick. Never mind the doctor. You're calling the police. No, no, I won't call them. You're right. I don't want them tracking mud in my parlor. I'm going down to the station house and talk to them. I'll get dressed now and go straight there. Please, please think about what you're doing. I'll tell them what I know and they can do the rest. Now you try to eat something, Stuart. Please. Mrs. Candy. Oh. <coughs> <coughs> Sheldon. What is this, Winfield? I told you not to call me in the office. It's an emergency. You sound terrible. What's the matter with you? I'm sick. Only you're going to be a lot sicker. What are you talking about? The old lady. I can't stop her. She's decided to talk. What? She figured it out. Figured out exactly what you did, Sheldon, and how you did it. You fool. Stop her. Do you hear me? That wasn't part of the deal, Shelton. It's all of the deal now. The price didn't include anything like that. The price just doubled. Old ladies are always having accidents. Make her have one. Make her have one now, Winfield. All right. All right. She's going she's gonna to have a fall down the cellar steps. Right now. <laughs> I gotta get my robe on I slip my face. I gotta hurry. Stuart? Is that you? Open up, Mrs. Candy. Stuart Winfield, what are you doing out of bed? Now you go right back there this second. I gotta, I gotta talk to you, Mrs. Candy, before you... Go to the police. Just listen to you. You're all winded. You can hardly talk, Stuart. Now go back to bed before you catch pneumonia, too. Now don't go, Mrs. Candy. It would be better if you never went to the police. Better for you. Better for me. For you? I don't understand. Well, then I... I wouldn't have to hurt you, Mrs. Candy. <laughs> That's what I mean. I wouldn't have to do anything bad to you. Stuart, what in the world are you talking about? Come on, old lady. You're, not... You're smart, all right. You really think things through. So now think a little harder. You knew? Stuart, you knew about Mr. Paul. That's right. That's how you knew my room was so red, because Mr. Shelton told you. 
Now you're getting there, Mrs. Candy. And that's why you rented it. That's why you were sending it. Just to watch you, Mrs. Candy. Just to see oh, that you yes. stayed sensible. Mr. Sheldon. <laughs> Mr. Sheldon I was hoping you'd never change your mind about calling the police. No, I didn't want this part of it. This isn't the part I like. Oh, let me go. Just relax, oh, Mrs. Candy. Threats of man, beasts, and birds. So 
let that be a warning to all those who think that our senior citizens are easy prey for crime. Watch out. They may turn the tables on you. Or the stairs. I'll be back shortly. We have one final comment for you on behalf of Ada Canby and old people everywhere. There's a saying, there's no fool like an old fool. But it's also true that there's no wisdom and strength like old wisdom and strength. There. Does that make you feel better about your next birthday? Our cast included Agnes Moorhead, Leon Janney, and Roger DeCoven. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.